This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 18th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Human freedom encompasses more than just economic liberty. It includes many ways the state may or may not intrude upon your private life and your relationships. So the Cato Institute, Canada's Fraser Institute, and the Liberalis Institute have put together the Human Freedom Index released today. Ian Vasquez is one of the authors of the report. We spoke yesterday. A few years ago, uh, some of us at the Cato Institute, at the Fraser Institute in Canada, and at the Liberales Institute in Germany, decided to explore the possibility of creating an index of human freedom that actually measured broad uh, uh, measures of freedom as opposed to select aspects of it, which is what most uh, indices that measure some kinds of freedoms uh, do. And so we held seminars to, to look into that possibility and decided that, in fact, uh, yes, we could do, do that. And we held further seminars with scholars from around the world to look into conceptual and methodological issues. And the <clears throat> what we've produced is this uh, Human Freedom Index, which we think is a, a reasonable uh, report that portrays the state of freedom around the world. And it's the most... Uh, comprehensive freedom index yet for a globally meaningful set of countries. So what in this, from the perspective of the creators of this report, uh, what constitutes freedom? The definition of freedom that we use is a, the absence of coercive constraint. It's a sort of a negative liberty definition of freedom, which doesn't require uh, positive action from somebody other than to refrain f- from violating uh, your rights Uh, as long as you don't violate the equal rights of others. And so we look at 76 distinct indicators uh, in this uh, index over a broad range, including economic freedom, rule of law, safety and security, and a whole set of other personal freedoms like uh, freedom of assembly and association, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, uh, and other freedoms like relationship freedoms, the, the freedom to have uh, same-sex relationships, for example. So what are some of these uh, specific uh, indicators that really uh, provide a disproportionate uh, punch when it comes to evaluating different countries? Well, one of the most difficult aspects of, of creating an index of this kind is to decide how to weight the different uh, um, values. Uh, there's no theory that tells you how to do that, and not even a consensus about how to how to do so. What we've done is uh, divide this index uh, between economic freedoms and personal freedoms, and they each get uh, equal weight. And we think that that makes sense because uh, economic freedom is certainly Im- important in, in people's lives. That's where they spend most of the time, and certainly personal freedom is, and that includes in our index safety and security issues and freedom of movement and some of the other personal freedoms uh, that I uh, mentioned. When you put all of that together, you get a picture that we've presented here that we think is a fairly reasonable portrayal of uh, freedom in the world. Reasonable people can disagree with some of our approaches, and we invite them to uh, weigh the different freedoms uh, according to what they think is right. But I think that the outcome won't be terribly uh, different in, except maybe in the rankings of some individual countries. All right. So what are the findings? 
who did well, who did poorly, and why? Well, I'll, I'll mention the top 10 uh, the, in, in order. Hong Kong, Switzerland, Finland, Denmark, New Zealand, Canada, Australia, Ireland, the United Kingdom, and Sweden. Those are the most free countries according to our index. At the bottom of the, the list uh, is Zimbabwe, Myanmar, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Iran. That's not very surprising. The United States, uh, some people might be surprised, is ranked at uh, 20th place. Our data goes from 2008, which was the first year in which there was sufficient enough data to make a robust index, to 2012, which is the, <clears throat> the year for which there's uh, enough available data, and we'll be updating this on a regular basis. Uh, <clears throat> in our index, the United States fell in, from 2008 from 17th place to 20th place. So uh, there, there are real deficiencies in uh, the level of freedom that the United States has, and uh, this seems to have been going on a, uh, a downward, uh, on a decline uh, for the past several years. There are several uh, indexes, at least of economic freedom, and the United States has fallen uh, in each of those as well. What has accounted for the decline of the U.S. in this index? Is it mostly economic issues? The two things that, that uh, really account for that are the decline in economic freedom and the decline in the rule of law. Uh, so that you see in every indicator, every broad category of economic freedom, you see a decline. And you see a big decline in, in the rule of law indicators, which is probably a reflection of the war on terror, the war on drugs, the weakening of property rights in the United States due to um, eminent domain uh, policies and that kind of thing. All right. So Hong Kong at the absolute top of the list, Hong Kong, at least in the last year or so, has not made headlines for its economic freedom. That's right. And that, uh, <clears throat> those protests that people remember uh, were going on last year, which is a year that is not included in our, our data. Uh, nevertheless, Hong Kong is a country that doesn't have uh, d democracy. But let me stress, we are not measuring uh, democracy. We think that democracy is, is important, but we think that that's a distinct category and we don't measure that. I think that the danger for Hong Kong is that Beijing's interference in its legal system, it has a very strong or has had a very strong rule of law. Uh, in its efforts to uh, delay or prevent democracy from breaking out in Hong Kong will undermine the rule of law and freedom of the press. And we're seeing some indications of that already in this index. So we, won't be, we wouldn't be surprised if Hong Kong started to deteriorate uh, on this index. I think the danger there is that uh, Beijing ends up undermining the freedoms of, of Hong Kong in its effort to prevent democracy. Hong Kong has been sort of left alone for such a long time. Hong Kong has had a uh, one country, two systems policy. Uh, it's clearly an outlier in our study uh, because we do look at the relationship between human freedom and democracy, and there is actually a very strong correlation uh, between the two. So Hong Kong is an, an outlier, and that's clearly because of the legacy of the of British colonial rule and the rule of law that they inherited. According to the uh, agreement with China, 
they have a different system and Beijing would respect it. Well, that's being put to the test now. And one of the benefits of having an index of this kind is that we'll be able to measure how freedom is affected. So some of the first data you gathered was from 2008. Uh, The data ended in 2012. Uh, What kind of trends over time can you put together? Which countries have uh, improved or or fallen the most in terms of uh, overall human freedom? In a short period of time like that, uh, we don't see huge differences in, in global levels of global freedom. Um, about half of the countries in the index improved and about half of them deteriorated. Uh, so um, the average level of global freedom has uh, stayed the same. What are some of the strongest relationships here when it comes to human freedom and outcomes that people like, like income and uh, health and wealth? Well, we see a strong relationship between uh, freedom and uh, the kinds of outcomes that we associate with with progress. For, to give you an example, um, if you look at the top quartile of the most free, the freest uh, countries in the world, their per capita income is about thirty thousand. If you go to the next quartile, there's a sharp drop to about six thousand four hundred dollars per capita income. So that if you live in the thirty-eight or so freest countries in the world. Your average income, your income is uh, much higher than in the rest of the world. And that's a pretty strong uh, finding. Freedom uh, really does matter uh, in that regard. And as I mentioned, uh, freedom is strongly associated uh, with democracy. Now, we have to investigate what the relationship is and what the causation is, but it, it does suggest that democracy is a safeguard uh, to freedom uh, and human freedom may also nourish democracy. Why do this kind of index? Freedom is inherently valuable and people are fighting for freedom all around the world. Uh, Some people are putting their lives on on the line. People advocate uh, for freedom, promote freedom in rich countries and poor countries. And uh, we see that freedom plays a role in human progress. We think that freedom plays a central role in human progress, but we want to let the data speak for itself. This is an empirical uh, study that will allow people to look at the importance of freedom, uh, let scholars to to study what are those relationships, not just between freedom and all sorts of indicators of human well-being, but between the different kinds of freedoms and how they interact with each other at different levels of development. We think that that's important to study uh, over time. Ian Vasquez is co-author of The Human Freedom Index, a global measurement of personal, civil, and economic freedom, published by the Cato Institute, Canada's Fraser Institute, and the Liberalis Institute. Read the report at cato.org.